Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Big Ten Show presented by the Believe Network. Thank you for tuning in on Bally Sports, and today I'm joined by Bally Sports' own, the host of the rally on Bally as well as college football reporter for the Big Ten Network, plus coverage of Major League Baseball on Apple TV+. Plus, She is the wonderful Brooke Fletcher. And from Believe Network's State of State, a Penn State football podcast, I'm Tom Hannafin. We're here to talk all things Big Ten football. And, Brooke, before we even hopped on here, it just seems like the whole world is turned on its head. Um, I think we have to start with what's going on with Michigan out of respect to them being in the college football playoffs. They've got Alabama coming up in the semis. But let's first talk about the rumors surrounding Jim Harbaugh possibly getting a record-setting extension. I mean, this is always what people, this is what people have been talking about all season long, right? Are they going to keep aside from the the signing scandal, the sign stealing scandal there? But everybody was talking about what is Jim Harbaugh's future going to look like at Michigan? And so, you know, towards the final stretch of the season, there were some rumblings about an extension there, but, you know, there are reports now that it's what five years, $55 million, which would put him at $11 million a year, which is the highest paid big 10 coach um, in college football. And so I think setting everything aside, all of the off the field stuff, just what he has been able to do there at Michigan and turn this program around, you know, this season, you know, talking to the players, talking to the offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, um, and just the coaches there on staff, you can tell that the atmosphere there, it's different. And that is due to Jim Harbaugh and what he has done with recruiting and putting this team and this program on the national stage. So it makes sense why Michigan would want to put, uh, you know, keep him there in the long run. Now the ball would be in his court because he has been linked to NFL teams. There's always been, you know, those rumors flying around this, that time of the year where, okay, is Jim going to stay? Is he going to go to the NFL? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think this is something to definitely follow. Nothing is set in stone yet, but I think Michigan, they need Harbaugh there to continue uh, to be on that national stage. Well, and also a number of months ago, as you talked about the sign stealing scandal and there had been multiple sanctions against Jim Harbaugh. He had to sit out a handful of games to start this season and end this regular season. So there's questions surrounding whether or not the University of Michigan was going to want him back because of those sanctions. Would he go to the NFL to avoid those sanctions? Now it seems like a complete 180. Michigan versus everybody is a very real mentality. And had he not ripped off three straight wins against Ohio State the last three years in a college football playoff appearance, this could be a very different story. And now he's the king of Ann Arbor. Right. And, and another thing to keep in mind is how is this going to impact Sharon Moore? Because lately there's been rumors flying around. Well, he's kind of proven that he can handle being a head coach and not only at that, but a great program like Michigan. And so with there being the head coaching carousel going on, he is he's somebody that programs are going to want to hire. Uh, so now that if they lock Jim in for a long time, what does this mean for Sharon's future? Is he going to, you know, stay there? Um, do they want to lock him in for maybe at least a couple more years uh, before maybe he gets picked by a, a different program? So there's just still a lot of questions and, um, you know, what his future like, looks like with the program. 
We're going to talk more about Michigan because nine Big Ten teams will be competing in bowls this bowl season. So we'll talk a little bit more about Michigan and Alabama. Uh, And, Brooke, I think we have to stay with the top two of the Big Ten because where Michigan goes, Ohio State is shortly there to follow. There's so much happening right now with Ohio State in terms of roster management. Let's start with the rumors out there that wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. and running back Travion Henderson have been offered, quote, first round NIL caliber deals to come back to Ohio State in 2024. First off, do you believe it? And secondly, what do you think Harrison the Henderson should do? Oh, gosh. Okay. I I mean, nothing surprises me anymore when it comes to college football. It's proven to be like the Wild West. So, and especially with the NIL deals, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, but I mean, okay, so including what a signing bonus would be for a first round player, that's like talking in the range of what, close to $25 million for Marvin Harrison Jr. That's a lot of money. So to say that it's not, I mean, it's possible, but I would just find that hard to believe I need to see it happen, but I don't think Marvin is going to come back here. I think he's going to, he's kind of did what he can at Ohio state there. He's a Heisman finalist, right? He's ready to move on, turn that page and go to the NFL here. Um, And also with the quarterback situation, up for question. We know the chemistry that he has with Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord has now entered the transfer portal. So does he want to stick around and possibly risk one getting injured, maybe not even knowing, you know, who the quarterback's going to be, if he's going to have, if they're going to have a young guy, if he's going to have that productive of a season next year. So I think it's time for him to move on. Trevian Henderson, I feel like he had a breakout season last year. Um, and, you know, with the value that the NFL puts on running backs, go ahead and get your bag next year, right? Get paid. And then you can go on to the next level. And I would even question if Travion Henderson is a first-round pick. I think he's an outstanding right. running back, but can you make more money technically coming back to Ohio State considering how the NFL and, frankly, college football have not valued the running back position as the years have gone on? Uh, coming back to Harrison, I, I agree with you. I think going to the pros makes the most sense because say he was to take even half that, $10 million to come back. Ryan Day said last offseason it would require somewhere in the neighborhood of $13 million to maintain his current <laughs> roster. So now you're talking about eight figures to retain one player. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a big reason why they hung in games and won games this year. Completely agree with that. But if you're Marvin Harrison, you come back for another year in Columbus, say you get hurt. Say it's not as productive. Do right. you hurt your draft stock all of a sudden and you can go in and still get paid great money? But are you just delaying that bag, as you put it? Right, exactly. So it, it, it makes sense for him to to move on to the next level there. But gosh, I mean, and then 25 and that doesn't even mention that doesn't even consider the additional endorsement money that he could be making on top of that. It's it's crazy to think about. And then especially you hit the nail on the head with Kyle McCord, quarterback, starting quarterback for Ohio State, went into the transfer portal. That's a crazy sentence to say, but it kind of sounds like maybe there were some things behind the scenes and that maybe he didn't feel like he had the endorsement of the coaching staff. Maybe he was forced out. We don't really know the full answer to that. On top of that, wide receiver Julian Fleming is in the portal. Both those guys were former five-star recruits. Uh, Evan Pryor is in the portal. Uh, Trainum, the running back who was drawn comparisons to Debo Samuel, is in the portal, plus a number of other right. four-stars. I think over a dozen Ohio State players entered the portal. Should Buckeye fans just look at this as the new churn of the college football roster offseason, or should they be pressing the panic button? 
it is kind of interesting, right? And, you know, a lot of the guys um, that were entering the transfer portal from Ohio State, some of them weren't, um, they didn't play or they, you know, or they were kind of deeper on the two deep there. But yeah, Chip Trainum, that was a guy that really came to the forefront. I think he was second in rushing yards. So uh, this season, but if you take a look at Travion Henderson, you know, he's, if he decides to come back there um, and Mayon Williams. So, you know, it, it makes sense for him. Kyle McCord, Honestly, it didn't surprise me. I thought maybe he would he would come back, but when I heard I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I couldn't believe that happened. I was like, okay, just because I think, listen, Kyle McCord, he was good in his first year. You can't take that away from him. But this is a team that is not only looking to go to a national championship, but to win national championships. And so you could tell down the final stretch that maybe there was some frustration there. And especially in a game against Michigan, where you have lost two years already, I don't want to say that the stage was too big for Kyle, but there were some mistakes that were made that they they can't mess around anymore for Ohio State. So I don't blame uh, Ryan Day, you know, when when he was asked and he couldn't get a, a definitive answer on if Kyle McCord was going to be the starting quarterback. Um, you know, there's been rumors going around, but, you know, Kyle has to, he has, I think, one year of eligibility left. He has to do what's best for him. So now the question is, who is going to be that guy under center? Are they going to go to the transfer portal? Do they want to get a veteran guy? Are they going to go with Devin Brown? Uh, Lincoln, I know that's a guy that they're really high on as well. So it'll be interesting to see who they go with there. Um, and then Julian Fleming, this was a guy that, you know, he was, like you said, he was a top guy out of that 2020 class. Um, I just think that there's, it's so deep in the wide receiver room. There were some young guys that had really stepped up um, and Carnell Tate is one of those guys. So it didn't surprise me. I think Julian should just go somewhere else and like just really make the most of an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah. There have been rumors that McCord and Fleming both could wind up at Nebraska. Fleming also yeah. has been on the radar of Kansas. And then for myself, who is a Penn State graduate and Penn State you know, covers the football team, there have been plenty of Penn State football fans who are looking at a guy who is from the state of Pennsylvania, was re recruited heavily by Penn State, and due to a variety of turnover at the wide receiver coach position for years, ultimately chose not to go to Penn State once upon a time, but there is that relationship. And now my transition here to Penn State is that there's a very high likelihood that defensive coordinator Manny Diaz is off to Duke to be their new head coach. This is a huge blow to the Penn State football program after a 10-2 and season and heading into the Peach Bowl. Do you like this fit for Manny Diaz at Duke? I mean, Mike Elko, you got to give him a lot of credit in what he was able to do for that Duke program there and, you know, turn them around. I mean, I think it could be a good fit. I think Duke has kind of pushed themselves on the national stage. I think Manny proved what he could do as a defensive coordinator, um, you know, obviously at Miami and now here at Penn State, coaching one of the best defenses um, in the country there. So I like the fit now that you have some transition at quarterback, you got Elko leaving. So there's still some things to figure out. But what do you think? Do you think he would be a good fit for Duke? It's uh, it's something that myself and uh, Justin King, my co-host, have talked about on State of State is that the expectations have to meet the investment by Duke. And especially within the ACC, it does seem like a conference that is going to be a step behind everything that's happening with the SEC and the Big Ten. I think it could work. I think it could also be a stepping stone job. And that's no disrespect to what Duke is, but you had the job that David Cutcliffe did years ago to kind of revitalize the program. Uh, Elko did a certainly really did a nice job and got Riley Leonard in there. So you can't question the contributions of Leonard, who's in the portal as well. But it does seem like a stepping stone job, considering that Manny Diaz once upon a time was 
the head coach at the University of Miami. That brand is certainly very important, even though it seems to be a very disorganized and mismanaged football program. So I think the stink from Manny Diaz being a part of the Miami Hurricanes staff is going away. But Duke seems like a safe opportunity for him to find out what it's like to be a coach once again in a place where there might not be that much pressure to get mm -hmm. to, for instance, like a New Year's Six bowl game. And I will say, you know, talking to the, the we cover Penn State a few of their games this year and talking to the players and talking to the coaching staff there, that was one thing that they admired about Manny Diaz was you can tell that he has that head coaching experience and he applied that to his his position there at Penn State and just being able to relate to players and just really just connecting with them. And so I think that's important when you're trying to, you know, establish a, a program like Duke. You mentioned that, you know, they're still in that rebuilding process and, you know, they're trying to, to get to it's a stepping stone and trying to get to the national spotlight there. But I think um, I think he's really good at bringing people together. And the fact that he was able to do what he did at Penn State in such a short amount of time, I'm confident that, you know, maybe he can do the same and really make an impact there uh, with Duke. Here's my question to you, because I think I know how I feel about this in terms of where this leaves James Franklin and the Nittany Lions. I mentioned 10 and 2 this year could possibly finish 11 and 2 if they beat Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl. However, with the way the Big Ten is changing in 2024, the arrival of former Pac 12 teams, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon, mm -hmm. where does this leave Penn State? This is a major blow. They don't have time to mess around. And we talked about this on the rally, too. You know, when you as Penn State, you're a, you're a program and obviously you would know um, very much very well. But you have Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State. Those are the big three when it comes to Big Ten football. And so you have to beat those those teams, right? You have to put you're expected to be on the national scale. You're expected to be those teams that are contending for the CFP and a national title there. So when you're bringing in. Washington, UCLA, like these teams that Oregon that have already established themselves, it's just going to get tougher. And there were a lot of questions surrounding that offense this year um, with Drew Aller and, you know, the explosiveness there. Now you got you're having to hire a new offensive coordinator and there's been a carousel of offensive coordinators under James Franklin um, there. So there's a lot of pressure, I feel like, on him coming into next season because the competition, it's only going to get tougher. Yeah, Manny Diaz would have been a reason why Penn State could have been a credible contender next season. Not to say that they aren't all of a sudden, but those are some big shoes to fill. Uh, overall, yeah. in the grand scheme of college football, because this will affect the Big Ten as well, what did you think about the proposal from NCAA President Charlie Baker earlier on this week for having a subdivision of the FBS where basically mm -hmm. trust fund and NIL money will be at play to reimburse the players and basically a subsection that will compete amongst itself and might not even operate under the rules of the NCAA? Yeah, we, we talked about that on the show and there's still like more details. It's still it gets super complicated, right, on how you would do it. But I think you would have it would give be given to about what 50% of the athletes there. And so my thing was like, how are you going to decide, um, you know, who you're going to give that money to also are certain programs going to cry poor because in order to compete with some of these big programs that 30 million or whatever the money or the exact amount is, it's not, it's nothing to them, right? But some of these programs, it's like, can they afford that? Or are they willing to take that extra step there? So, I mean, that's just another hurdle that you're going to have to overtake. I think it's, I think it's good. I mean, I think athletes, they deserve to have, you know, they deserve to be paid. Um, but 
yeah, the the one thing, those are the two things that really stood out to me was just how are you going to decide if it's just going to be 50% of the player or of the athletes and um, are all programs going to have, are they going to get on board and how that's going to impact certain ones that maybe aren't as successful as those top dogs? What do you think? To me, when it comes to the players, it's all or nothing. If you strap on a helmet, if you step on the field, you are putting yourself, uh, not to say in harm's way, but you're putting yourself into the field of play just like anybody else, whether it's a Marvin Harrison Jr. or it's the fifth offensive lineman on the depth chart. To me, it doesn't matter. The payers should be getting played, uh, paid, and if that's part of the revenue, I think that's a very easy model to go off of. And the odd thing about this proposal from Charlie Baker is that we kind of already have this with the Power Five and Group of Five. So now it's just maybe making this more official and maybe it's even sectioning off the SEC and the Big Ten, as we already know, are the two major powers in college football. Frankly, the way the NCAA moves at a glacial pace, I would not hate seeing a group of teams separated so that they can figure things out on their own. No, I completely agree. And it's just, it's crazy just to think about the, the, how constant it is changing when it comes to the NIL deals. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just something that we'll, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on and keep track. Let's go rapid fire here. As we mentioned earlier on nine big 10 teams will be competing in bowl games this year, which is just absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic for the conference altogether. I want to start off with Northwestern versus Utah in the fantastic SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, listen, yeah. Northwestern, it's been a complete about face. Went from 1-11 and to 7-5. and David Braun is the Big Ten Coach of the Year. This team has been so much fun to watch. I know we said rapid fire here, but I just got to give some love to the Wildcats here because I covered them a good bit this year. And, you know, David Braun – he just the way he was able to turn this program around. This was a team that uh, in a program coming into the season, they had we had no idea what they were, what was going to happen. Right. They would just be happy to win maybe one or two games. But the fact that he was able to get these guys to believe that they can win, there's there was something different about this team, especially down the stretch and talking to these players. I think Ben Bryant is a solid quarterback. He's a leader for this offense there. Uh, Dave Braun and his staff, got to give him a lot of credit there. I'm going to ride with them. They they have proven people all season long that, hey, they are here to, to stay. So I'm going to go with the Wildcats. What do you think? They're going to have their work cut out with them because as someone who saw Penn State versus Utah last year, granted Cam Rising went down in the Rose Bowl, but what Kyle Whittingham puts on the field, it's eerily reminiscent of the way Northwestern has played football for decades. Smart, tough, and disciplined. So I think it's going to be a fight, but I think Northwestern just has more to play for. Uh, Moving on to the Quick Lane Bowl. I know you're paying attention to that, Brooke. It's Minnesota versus Bowling Green. Minnesota, their starting quarterback, Ethan Kaliak-Manis, is into the transfer portal. So like a lot of teams, you're going to be going into the bowl season, maybe not at 100%. What do you think about this? Minnesota, man, this is a team that has a lot of turnover. They have faced a lot of injuries this season. They are definitely um, – they're dealing with, a yeah, a transition uh, for sure right now. So Bowling Green, I mean, I covered them as well this season, and they were impressive. And um, I – this is tough. I want to say, <laughs> I want to say Minnesota, but I just feel, I don't, I don't know. It, it's going to be, it's going to be a tougher game than I think we would expect just because of the players that are entering the transfer portal and the injuries that Minnesota is facing right now. It's super unfortunate. I love coach Fleck, but I think it's going to be closer than what we think. What do you think? 
I'm going to go with Bowling Green for a completely irrational reason. They were my safety school when I was applying yeah. to colleges. It was Penn State, Ohio U, and Bowling Green. I always like Bowling Green, so I'm going with They're Bowling Green. They're competitive, man. Yeah. They are. They are. I've gotten to watch them a bunch this season, actually. I love me some action. Um, Rutgers versus Miami, Florida, and the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. I like Rutgers in this. That defense is good. Yes, Coach Chiano, I mean, what he's been able to do with this program there, I am in mean, that defense especially. Um, I'm going to have to go with Rutgers as well. He's definitely starting something there um, on campus, so I, I like the Rutgers. Yeah, Miami feels like they're going in the wrong direction. Uh, the aforementioned yes. Ohio State Buckeyes up against Mizzou in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Cody Schrader and Mizzou were absolutely on fire this year. Given the direction Ohio State's going, are they running into a buzzsaw? I got to give Mizzou credit because, I mean, I'm also very familiar with the SEC and nobody was talking about Mizzou a couple years ago. But what they have been able to do and put themselves on the national scale, uh, good for them. I'm still going to roll with the Buckeyes, though. I think, uh, yeah, they have some questions there. But this is an opportunity for Devin Brown, though. Um, if Cotton McCord's not playing, Devin Brown, is he going to be that next guy? This is an opportunity for him to prove himself. I think um, this is, this is going to be a big game. And I think Ohio State, they still have enough depth to, to really sustain. What do you think? It's a Cardale Jones-esque opportunity for Devin Brown. I put it that way. I think Mizzou makes a statement here. Ohio State just seems to be in flux at the moment. Speaking of your SEC ties, how about Maryland versus Auburn in the Transperfect Music City Bowl? <laughs> okay. <Auburn laughs> Can you be unbiased? Yeah. Okay, here's this is the thing though. I am being, I'm not being biased here, but Auburn, they're the most confusing team because how do you lose to uh, New Mexico State, but then you almost beat Georgia and Alabama? It doesn't make sense to me. What is going on down there on the plains? Um, but Maryland, I respect that team. I respect what they're doing over there. I'm gonna go with Maryland because Auburn, they just they know how to Auburn, and uh, I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna get the win. I think Hugh Freeze is building something special down there, but it's gonna take some time. I'm gonna take Maryland. I actually disagree with you. I like that late season momentum for Auburn. How dare you go against your alma mater? It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I know Auburn of, fans don't come after me. <laughs> speaking of alma maters, mine Penn State versus Old Miss and the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. I, I I'm biased. I like Penn State's defense better than I like Old Miss's offense. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with Penn State on this one. That defense, man, it's so good. I think, um, you know, Drew Aller, he is fine. He was finding his stride down the stretch there. There's still some things, obviously, he has to work on. You can tell he's a young QB. Um, but Lane Kiffin, what he's done there at Ole Miss, he's building something right. But I'm going to go with Penn State. Yeah, regardless of who the co coordinator is for one game, I like Penn State. Yeah. Wisconsin versus LSU in the ReliaQuest Bowl. Could we see the future Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, and LSU uh, in that game? I'm going to go with LSU. I'm sorry, yeah. Wisconsin fans. LSU, Jaden Daniels, what he's doing there. And uh, despite the their defense is maybe not their strong suit, but I still think that they're going to get a win here. I completely agree. Speaking of defense being a strong suit, Iowa versus Tennessee in the Cheez-It Citrus yeah. Bowl. I think Tennessee has enough offense, uh, like they can maybe piece it together enough. Uh, Milton has been a disappointment this year at quarterback, though. Yeah, they're, it's a very stout defense versus a very efficient offense in Tennessee. I I just don't think Iowa has enough on offense. And then Cooper DeGene, you can tell that him not being out on the field, that's really impacting them. So I'm going to have to go with the Tennessee on this one. Yeah, can Iowa punt their way to a bowl win? Who knows? Oh and then know. last but not least, Michigan and Alabama in the college football playoff semis in the Rose Bowl. You saw how Alabama reacted in the room, and they looked calm, cool, and collected, and Michigan looked like, ooh, we drew the, the Crimson Tide. 
this is when I first heard this, uh, when they were deciding, obviously, if it was going to be Bama or FSU, I was like, Michigan, they're going to want FSU because Bama, they looked good versus Georgia. And Jalen Milrow, man, like he is such a threat in the passing game and in the running game. He's just playing at an all confidence. Uh, he's just playing with so much confidence right now. I think it's going to come down to the trenches um, because Michigan, they have a great defense, great defensive line there. But I'm going to have to, I think, go with Alabama. I think I agree with you. I've, at Nick Saban in the playoff, I think that speaks for itself. Well, and they've proven this year, sorry, real quick, that, and Alabama has proven that don't underestimate them. And that's like Nick Saban's calling card right there. And I think Michigan, they're the, I think they're a one-point favorite right now. So, yeah, it's going to be a good game. It's narrow. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Brooke, thank you so much for joining me. You can check out Brooke Fletcher on the rally here on Bally Sports and, of course, on the Big Ten Network and Apple TV+. Plus. I'm Tom Hannafin for the Believe Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Ten Show presented by the Believe Network.